looking at me like that. Your train derailed. Some kind of malfunction. We only found two people alive so far. You and this man. His skull was cracked open and most of his left side was crushed. And to answer your question, there are two reasons why I'm looking at you like this. One, because it seems in a few minutes that you will officially be the only survivor of this train wreck. And two, because you didn't break one bone. You don't have a scratch on you. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. Well, we've got a different one this week. I forgot every single time we talked about this movie, what this movie was. Yeah, I could tell because we were like at the end of it and you were like, what is happening? And I was like, well, this feels like classic M. Night Shyamalan. And you were like, oh, right. (laughs) This is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. My literal first note is like, this feels like a horror movie, like really bad vibes. (laughs) And now I get it. It's a a thriller. Well, it's a, I would say, I was going to say like, I don't know what order I would say this in a superhero movie masquerading as a thriller or vice versa. We're not even masquerading, just like it is very M. Night Shyamalan it's to fusion, its core. It is know. fusion. Movie movie fusion. Uh, and I just saw something about like when he was developing this movie, Shyamalan was writing a spec script for Unbreakable, which is what we're talking about this week. And um, he like wanted to advertise it more as a superhero movie, like make that much more obviously like what the tone was going to be. But uh, Disney, at the time, they he actually gave Walt Disney Studios a first look deal for this movie, which seems kind of nuts. Um, but they, they didn't like want to advertise it as a, as a comic book or superhero movie. Okay, so this is a Disney movie. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was under their touchstone banner. Was the sixth sense also? Um, yeah, I'm guessing it was if, if he had already worked with them, um, for the sixth sense. Or if he was going to them for a first look deal for this, yeah, then the Sixth Sense must have been under Touchstone as well, because that was that was a really successful movie. So of course, like he would he would stick with them. I'm pretty sure the Mary Kate Nashley movies were under Touchstone. Really? It, it, I wonder if Touchstone's still that's around. Like I feel like that's like the blue not... logo that goes. I think so. Yeah. Very familiar on ABC Family. It was always exciting if it was a touchstone movie, <laughs> which I've seen like maybe five minutes of The Sixth Sense on ABC on TV, Family, of course, but never really saw the movie. I've never seen an M Night Shyamalan movie until now. Yeah, and I know we're probably gonna have differing opinions on this. I actually really liked this. I wasn't sure about it. Like there were like a lot of disparate things about it, and then towards the end, I was like, okay, like I get what. Shyamalan was doing with it, and I really liked it. I think the ending did make the movie better. And knowing that it was an ending Shyamalan movie after, it made it better, too. But the first, I don't know, 90 minutes, I was, like, not here for Like, I wasn't not here for it. I was just like, what are we doing? Uh-huh. What are, We're just, like, plodding along here. It was very boring, 
It, but like there was tension. Yeah, I don't think it was boring though. I mean, it kind of was. He's like, have you ever been sick? No, I can't remember if I've been sick. We probably had that conversation six times. I'm like, how do you not remember if you've been sick or not? <laughs> I guess I liked it because, yeah, there was like the tension. And for me, like every time that conversation was being had, like, I think it's supposed to be weird that like when he's asking his wife about it, like, yes, they should know this. Right. But it's like, I liked it because the whole movie took like this approach to an origin story with kind of like, I saw someone on, I don't know if it was on Twitter or Letterboxd because I always look for people that are more, um, they get their words across better in reviews than I do. Or like my thoughts don't get out right. And they were saying like, this is a story like if Superman was on Earth, but he didn't know like who he was, which I feel like is which something he doesn't. No, like, no, but like he doesn't even. Clark Kent originally does not know who he is. That's true, which I'm probably just getting the wording wrong, but I do. But he knows he's different. Yes. And this guy does not at all. There's like a whole thing in Man of Steel about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because he feels like so out of it. And Diane Lane's finally like, all right, I'm going to show you this spaceship because you feel like such an oddball. Yeah. Yeah. So that's true. But I guess like in this, like, you know, he doesn't have any kind of there's no answer to it. There's no spaceship to even give him like a clue. And I think it's a really interesting way to approach it where like, yes, it's like cool that you have like these powers, but it's also like kind of terrifying because he probably sees himself as like an extremely normal person, even though like we know that he claims to have been injured and that's why he couldn't play football anymore. Yeah, that I mean, I don't know if that was supposed to be a big reveal, but I think we all saw that coming that he wasn't actually. Well, it's like because, of course, like that wouldn't how would that have made sense that there was one time that he had been hurt how does he not know that he's strong i just i like to think about it is that like he's just never you know like he probably did that thing when he was an athlete well he was an athlete but like you know you don't he probably was like doing like weightlifting like normal like he probably like wasn't super pushing himself to keep lifting stronger and stronger weights like he was doing of course like there's like you could you could say that like maybe he was hanging out with people that probably should have or would have in real life be like dude like you're fucking benching 250 pounds like let's yeah let's do it but um that aside i feel like it's kind of reasonable for someone that just sees themselves as very normal yeah, to I not mean, pursue it that premise doesn't bother me the like reason that he is a superhero though is like all based around the fact whether he's like fallen ill or not feels dumb yeah yeah i mean I, I get that but i do i also just again think that's like a really interesting way of looking at like someone that has this kind of like invulnerability or like healing factor it's such like a minute detail like kind of a footnote that wouldn't even be of note for most superheroes right but for this guy he's just like like that's how you like, can wait, tangibly <laughs> me- measure it right like i've never gone out and tried to like flex my superpowers but that's how it's um, like that's how it's been benefiting him. Like in day to day life, he probably wouldn't even think about it. It's just like some people just have good immune systems. He probably thought he did. actually he probably just didn't think about it at all. Yeah. Um. Well, starting from you know we were talking about Shyamalan for a minute. Um. I have seen The Sixth Sense. It was a long 
long time ago that I saw that movie. I'd actually like to watch it again. And this is only the second one that I've seen. And I feel like if I if I've seen these two movies and if I see signs, then I will be like set for Shyamalan. Like I know some people are. Are you going to watch the rest of this trilogy? I'm kind of interested now. I mean, it's a bummer. I will not watch Split. Yeah, yeah, I have to watch Split by myself. I honestly, I heard Glass like wasn't very good, but I would be kind of curious about it just because I think it was a pretty ambitious move by Shyamalan to like bring it back. I don't know how many people were like watching Split and were like, "Oh shit!" Like, yes, they're bringing back Unbreakable characters. I mean, the movies came out sixteen years apart from each other, so if anything, it just made people go back and watch Unbreakable. Yeah. Because I do think, like, Unbreakable doesn't have the rep that some of his other movies do. Like, people know The Sixth Sense. Like, that's a legendary movie. People people know Signs old. more. Old. Well, old. Yeah, for sure. But then, like, it doesn't even have the rep of, like, Shyamalan's bad movies. Like, everybody remembers how bad The Last Airbender was. And to a lesser extent, like, I remember when Lady in the Water came out. And that was, like, mixed. And um, the, fuck, the one with Mark Wahlberg, The Happening... We were like Mark Wahlberg giving the worst acting performance of his life. I think his new movie is supposed to be good. The Knock at knock the Cabin. The, yeah. Yeah, he's he seems to be um like getting back on it a little bit. Or like The Village. I would actually watch The Village, even though I know the the Shyamalan twist in that one too. But um yeah, so this was like this was really cool. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect from it when we started watching it. So I was definitely, uh, even though I knew it was Shyamalan, taken back a bit by the tone. But reading about the production of it and how Shyamalan was making, like, really... He was, like, getting into the production design, evoking um, kind of the comic book mentality, I thought was really cool. Like, I didn't realize that, like, a lot of the times that we're seeing Mr. Glass, Samuel L. Jackson's character, um, they took care to like reflect him in glass a lot. You know, we start the, the opening scene of the movie is like on a mirror and we don't realize it's a mirror until the camera pans, you know, a couple minutes into the shot. And that like really threw me for a loop. We have oh, that. When she's like giving birth. Yeah. Because it's like filming, like you see like the guy, yeah, and then it turns and it's like, oh, like we've been looking at the reflection this whole time, and he's like looking at himself in the mirror, in the in like the TV screen when he's a kid, yeah, he's he's doing that, um, and I just I thought that was really interesting. I didn't notice that because it seems like they went out of their way to like do the um, the whole movie was like very dreary looking, like it was very gray, very, but they went out of their way to be like, um. I feel bad that I'm forgetting his name. David, David Dunn is green. Like that's his motif. Mr. Glass is purple. And then the like villains. Like is the other he vill- green? It's kind of like a dark green, but yeah. Like oh, his, of his, his poncho that he's yeah. wearing and his hat. Ha, his hat's green too, poncho. I think. Um, Ridiculous. <laughs> I hated I, that poncho. I thought it was a really... Uh, you know, he clearly, it made him look small. It did make him look small because, yeah, you can't see his, his stature. But I also like the idea of it being like a cape. It's a it's a superhero's cape in the most... It's like, literally like wearing a green hoodie and calling yourself the hood. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's got a hat that says security on it. I mean, that's, that's his whole thing. I, I think it's like the most... Intentionally the most like 
grounded and in some ways like boring superhero archetype that you can get. It's yeah, Bruce Willis is fucking boring. <laughs> um, I forgot when we were talking about M Night. My favorite thing that I learned about him when I was reading about this is that he wrote the screenplay for Stuart Little. I remember you said that, and I forgot it instantly, and I have a lot of questions on how that happened. It's just important to me that we all know that now. It, it's important, yes. It absolutely is. And I'm going to really need some more information on it. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. My early notes, like, I didn't do a good job of taking notes during this movie because I didn't know what was happening. I was like, what is important here? Like, when Samuel L. Jackson is going about, like, the comics or our pictorial history, and I'm like, this feels like a bit of a stretch. I Like, is this going to be important later? Like, no. Like, the fact that he, like, collects comics is, like, just showing his interest in it, I guess. But I was just like, where where are we going with this? I mean, I thought it tied into, like, he... It, he's just, like, so hell-bent on it. That's why he's, like, doing no, what he does. I well, get why he's in that. But I just mean, like, him talking about it. It, like, doesn't matter for the plot. Oh. Like... I, yeah. I thought it was, like, the, the scene, like... Yeah, the opening scene with him, not when he's being born but the guy being like i'm gonna buy this as like a gift for like my four-year-old son i thought that was like you you are you encounter people like this when you talk oh, about things like superheroes and comic books yeah like comic book guy from the simpsons like just taking it incredibly seriously and i i thought that like informed like a lot that you needed to know about who mr glass is like yeah. he is for He's sure. Obsessive. For sure. That that was all fine. Like I don't have a problem with it. I just meant like by him giving us a history lesson. I'm like, is this going to matter for the mm, plot? Mm. And the answer is no. Yeah, yeah. About comics itself. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just. just That's what I mean. I was like, it. should I be taking a note on this? Like, is this going to be important? Mm-hmm. I gotcha. There was something about it that felt very like Morbius vibes with Samuel L. Jackson's character in particular. Because the whole beginning of Morbius is that they're like they're sick and... kids that have now spent their life like kind of stewing in that and like the resentment that comes along with that. And then like what they choose, what he and the other guy choose to do once they do overcome that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was getting a lot of Morbius vibes from from that. And that could actually, yeah, that's like, I agree in a positive way. Like if you haven't listened to our Morbius episode there, we did find like some, some bright spots. In yeah. I liked all that plot um, stuff. Yeah. So check that out if you haven't. Yeah. Um, the, the opening scene where one of the opening scenes, I guess where the credits are rolling with David Dunn on the train when he's talking to what was his name? Kelly. Um, I thought that was really interesting. They were doing something where the camera was like between, it was looking back at them um, on the train between the seats and it never showed both of them in frame at the same time. It would always pan to David or it would pan to Kelly back and forth, like for what the lines that they were saying. And I was like, it was a very like drawn out shot. It was a long shot, very slow pacing. And I just thought it was like a really bold move for him to like, obviously we start with the Mr. Glass, like being born thing, which is like a bit more exciting and that like hooks you in. And then we like slow it down. I'm like, this doesn't even feel like, it was going to lead into this kind of movie. It just, it reads like a normal, like 
sad drama about a couple getting divorced and their kid being in the middle of it. Well, right. I thought Which, like, in a way it is. okay, something's going to happen with the train and then like, there's going to be like a superhero thing happening. Like mm. obviously it didn't follow like a normal structure. Yeah. It was just like, no, this was a straight up fucking tragedy. Yeah. And the sole survivor, what he's been looking for. Yeah. I also thought that like, yeah, with like the little girl too, like mm-hmm. that was all fucked. I was fucked. Well, this, I just think, like, the way that they did this was so cool because it's like, yeah, like, he is clearly, he's invulnerable. He, like, walked away from this train and he was fine. But it doesn't feel like it. Right. You don't know that's what they're they're getting. Like, yeah. I wasn't putting it together like, oh, that's no. what's the deal here. Like, it's played as, like, he just got, like, the, the, the tiniest percentage, like, lucky of being yeah. able to survive it. He was in the right place at the right time. Um, I was like, is the train crash going to give him powers? Like, I was like, what's the, what's the deal? Yeah. (laughs) Or is he going to go on like a thing later because he has this like newfound like appreciation on life and like he doesn't actually have powers. I actually didn't think there were going to be any powers at play. And then we get this whole like, what's your immune system like? (laughs) I just, you know, it's like the mystery of it all. It's like, there's no, there's no, it is an origin story, but we're coming into it. Like, I don't know how old Bruce Willis was when he was filming this movie. Like, 40? Maybe a little younger? Maybe younger. Like, we're coming into, like, this man's life decades in, where he has done nothing and had next done. to no experiences um, figuring out that there's something special about him. He's right. just chilling. He's lived this, like, really boring life. Yeah, I wish I just had enjoyed the movie more. Like, I think if... I wish I just remembered what you had said the movie was about. Or asked you for, like, a 12th time. Because going into it, like, thinking it was just, like, a comic-based movie, I was like, what are, like, I just felt very impatient, I Mm -hmm. think, with the story. Instead of just, like, enjoying it. Yeah. That's on me, you guys. I get it, though. I get it. (laughs) Well, I wanted to, like, talk more about the train thing. The way that they, you know, it should be, like... For, for David, kind of like a triumphant thing, at least a little bit, that he like didn't he like be happy. brutally die in a train accident. But the way that they do it, like he's being like walked out of the hospital and you see all the families of the people that did die. And then he like meets up with his family and it's like not even, you know. It's no not one, a happy reunion. No one really says anything. I mean, we see him earlier take off his wedding ring. So we know something's not going great at home. Yeah. His like, kid is fucking what is his deal? I don't like the trials. Well, I mean, that kid, I, I said to Molly when we were watching this, like, I was like, I know that actor. He's troubled. Yeah. That child is troubled. And it, that kid has, like, that look to him. Like, no offense to the actor, but he has, like, an odd face. And in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he plays, like, the son of, like, a Hydra guy. And he's, like, exactly what you would expect. Like, he is kind yeah, of just, like, Yeah, he looks like, like he'd be playing, like, a school shooter or something. Yeah. Like, he is unwell. I mean, clearly this kid's family life isn't fantastic, so he's a... He knows that his dad keeps a gun in the house and where the ammo is. Right. Like, he already Very had that knowledge, so not great. Although, like, let that be a lesson for safe uh, gun storage. Yeah, people. Griffin literally called that earlier. He's like, no gun safe or whatever. He's like, come on, man. You cannot keep your revolver wrapped up in a in a shirt that that is very easy to get to. Um, 
yeah, it just was pretty a very very fascinating start. And I had a note about like Mr. Glass's take on comics, which like not all that stuff aside, the way that he was talking about like history being full of like pictographs, like yeah. cave paintings and stuff. I thought that was just like outside of the context of the movie, like a really cool thing. That's why I noted it because yeah. I was like, is, again, is this going to be important later? Right. And like, no, but just like as, just as a way of like viewing comics, I think it's really cool because you know, there's like the bronze, silver, golden age of comics that have already passed and seeing the ways that the art has changed and how the writing has changed kind of in tandem with, like, other forms of media, but in other ways, like, it's still holding on to, like, stuff from decades ago. I think that's really interesting. And I think it it's it's already been informative, like, seeing how politics and stuff, like, seeped into comics back in the 50s and 60s. And that will, again, like, be the case when people are looking back at comics from now in 50 years. And I just think that's really cool. Did you feel like that they were doing, like too much with how like deep they were trying to be with this movie um it at sometimes it felt like a little pretentious like it but like but it was usually coming from mr glass which now like makes sense why he would be like that he's very dramatic like he has this line of like you chose a life of protection as a i can't even read my whole note uh something is as that a, a G? Start. Starting. Security guard. As a security guard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, life of protection. Like, as a security guard. That's what that was. <laughs> like, let's settle down. It's, like, not that serious. Yeah. He's like, you chose this life. You had a calling to protection. And it's like, well, Which, sure. I mean, that's funny, though, because, like, I, like, was like, yeah, like, he's, like, I get it. Like, I get what he's saying. But it is, like, so, he's so, um... He feels like he's right. Like, he's like, I know why you do what you do. But right. Like, and, you know, it's like maybe he was, and you maybe were like he did, like, naturally it. gravitate to it. Or, like, maybe he didn't. Like, we don't know. Um, but, yeah, of course, Mr. Glass is taking it, like, super seriously. And, like, the tone of the movie is, like, serious. Like, it's not, it's not you know, winking at the audience being like, yeah, this is a superhero movie, but it's serious. But, like, for everybody else, like, David Dunn is just, like, depressed. Like, he just has nothing going on. Like, he's... I think he, like, sees himself as, like, working, like, a pretty dead-end job, uh, even though he is good at it and gets, like, a pretty decent raise after the train accident. But, like, everything else in his life is, like, a failure. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, so, like, trying to make a change in his life and can't even really do that successfully. Yeah. Um, so I do think it, it takes itself seriously, but I also think you're right that the most, like, melodramatic views and, like, lines are all delivered by Mr. Glass, who is already, like, painting himself as the supervillain before he even has a nemesis. Yeah, I mean, the whole movie just feels heavy. Yeah, it is. It's super heavy, which I think... I don't know if Shyamalan's capable of making a movie that doesn't. Uh, he wrote Stuart Little. Besides Stuart Little, <laughs> if he had directed... Which does have some heavy moments, lest we not forget. The All fake adopted if, parents. Yeah, I need to watch Stuart Little again. These two mice come... And they're like, this is our son. It's very Annie, mm. like Easy Street. And they're like, and so they leave, let him go with them. They're like, mm-hmm. those are his parents. And he goes and then they're not his parents. They were faking it. Bastards. And they fucking, took away from his new family. Fucking rodent pieces of shit. If M. Night Shyamalan had directed Stuart Little, 
things would be very different. I'm just saying he did enough. He did enough damage. <laughs> also, he almost dies in a washing machine. It's horrifying. Why do I remember that? It's horrifying. Anyway, I hate the mice, book is apparently kind of like fucked. I've never read of the book. Of course it is. That just, it, of course That's it is. That's my word for today. <laughs> fucked. It's all fucked. Sorry. Okay. Um, a lot of anti-football talk. Very ahead of its time. Yeah. Just like Robin very, Wright. Robin Wright fucking hates football. <laughs> like it again, it was like super serious, like how serious it was being taken. Yeah. And like that's a conversation that's certainly happening like, I now. Don't like violence. Yeah, it was just she was just like so intense about it. Everything was just everyone, so intense. Everyone in this movie is intense. I, I my energy was just not matching the energy of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um Julianne Moore was originally gonna play that character. She would have been interesting great. enough. She dropped out to do Hannibal instead, mm. which I didn't know that. Well, Hannibal is a sequel to The Silence of the Lambs, but Jodie Foster didn't come back. Which I don't know. I wasn't around enough for these movies. Sure. It's too little. I mean, I haven't even seen Silence of the Lambs, but that seemed to be pretty iconic. So, you know, that's a shame. But Robin Wright was great. Yeah, no, Robin Wright was good. So <laughs> she was credited as um. Robin Wright Penn yeah. at the time. She used to be married to Sean Penn. Yeah, I didn't. I actually didn't know that until I saw it in the credits. Um, she looked weird though. She had dark hair. Yeah, I almost like I knew that it was her because I saw her in the credits, but then I saw her and I was like, mm. <laughs> "Mister um, Glass." As the movie progressed, obviously was like getting a lot creepier, and I was like, "How did he? How did he manage to like get David's wife specifically to be his physical therapist? Like, how did how did that work out? Was that just?" He's an orchestrator. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I, that was like, obviously like the audience knew what was happening there, but I was like, oh no, like how super villainous are we going to get? And as we find out later, uh, he's already gotten pretty, pretty goddamn super villainous. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was like, why does he know like these stats like so perfectly? Or why does he keep bringing these like things up? Like, yeah, you said that like. Well, because he says it like three times, and each yeah. time you were like, "Why does he keep saying this?" And then because I didn't know either, and then like when Plane he crash, reveals it, and I'm like, "Okay, now that all makes sense." That was an effective reveal. It was. It was. It was an effective movie. It was just like it was a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think I was getting annoyed with the our protagonist. Mm -hmm. He just seems so dumb. <laughs> I mean. He might just be kind of dumb. Like, I think he has a kind of sixth sense. <laughs> but, like, he's... Yeah, he clearly does. But he's not, like, doing anything. You know, he's, like, not... He's not, like, working a job where he's, like, really, like, sharpening something. He knows... He has, like, this I mean, innate ability, but he's not, like, practicing it. Right. He's just using it. He's not, like, doing anything. Like, he doesn't... He's just thinking of it as, like, a gut instinct. Like, yeah. you know, my gut is saying we should pat down people. Yeah. And he doesn't, it doesn't seem like he has any friends, so he's not, like, talking about it and nobody's there to be like, hey, man, that's kind of wild. Like, how do you know he that? He does not have any friends. Um, the, the power, help me understand, um, it seems like, is it telling him what's about to happen in the future? Is it telling you what just happened in the past? Especially, like, the time in the train scene, 
it definitely felt like these were past acts, but then it's like, well, that's not super helpful. I think it's <laughs> well, I, I think that's part of it is like But then the He doesn't he doesn't know. Like it it can be either. Because like the whole drug dealer thing with M night. Yes. Like, was that even the right guy? Maybe. Because I don't think we see his face when no. we see the guy in the trash can. But I think it, it can be something that already happened or it can be something that he was about might to happen. But he has to, like, kind of make that call in the moment, I think. Which, you know, his his powers are, like, it's pretty wild to, like, be like, yeah, this dude can bench press, what, 500 pounds. He can, like, rip a car door open. But it takes, like, effort to do it. He yeah. doesn't get sick. And he has, like, this kind of vague uh, telepathy. But, you know, in the context of other superheroes that we've been watching movies and TV shows, I'm like, this guy's, he's got fucking nothing going on. I mean, like, Phoebe and Charmed had to go through the same struggle of, like, figuring out her premonitions. I mean, they're mostly in the future, but sometimes she'll get ones from the past. I mean, I feel like... It's tough. It's tough out there to be a witch. It is. Ask David. He's basically (laughs) a witch. Um, And, you know, and then he has his... I'm just on the David Dunn Wikipedia page because I wanted to see if there was like a list of abilities. It was really just like super strength in the, they called it psychometry, um, but his his weakness being water. <laughs> I'm. We'll it, get back to it that. It drains his strength. That was stupid. But I guess it says as a result, he wears a raincoat as part of his hero disguise, which right, I'm a dumbass. Himself. I didn't even like realize that like, well, I never really it was realized raining. Like I was rain. like, why are we doing this if it's raining? I was thinking that the whole time. Um, did you want Joseph to shoot him? Yes or no? I mean, kind of. <laughs> I was like, I mean, it's not going to, he will. <laughs> that whole scene, I was like, I'm, I'm going to give M. Night the benefit of the doubt that it was like intentionally like blackly comedic because. Does he have a sense of humor? I think so. I think a little bit. What's his reputation as a person? Does he have kind of a bad rep? Uh, he seemed like, well, he was like playing kind of a jerk in the movie. I was like, is this just what he's kind of like? A little brusque with everybody? No, I, He's also way younger than I thought he was. Yeah, he's he's 52 now. Yeah. So, like, yeah, he was probably writing this in, like in his late 20s. Um, I actually, I feel like he's a nice guy. I don't I ever hear people talking about him on interviews, like about them working with him. Like, in no way. Yeah. Um, I just thought like that whole scene, like obviously stakes are fairly high and yet David and his wife, I keep forgetting her name. I was call her Robin, Mary, right? I don't know. Something, something boring. Like yeah. They're <laughs> like sternly parenting in the same tone that you would like yeah, very scold realistic. a kid with who's not holding a gun. And David being like, I swear to God, if you shoot me, I'm moving to New York. And that was just so funny to me. <laughs> and his wife is like, no shooting friends. <laughs> like, we don't shoot our friends, Joseph. Like, yeah. would you would you shoot one of your friends? <laughs> I thought we were getting to be friends. Like, what have you been doing with your son up until this point? Lifting weights, you know? Or you mean before the movie? Yes. Nothing. Just nothing. That's why his son is so fucked up. His dad is completely oh, it neglects him bad person yes i mean that's i also think that's part of this whole thing is like he david is not like a good guy like clearly he's he doesn't give a shit about anything and this is yeah he's so apathetic and it, it took like this inciting incident for there to be like any kind of glimmer for his relationship with his family to improve at all that scene 
just like reminded me and the kid kind of looks like this kid there's a movie that i saw in my youth with my mom and my sister i think my mom got it from the library and thinking it would be like a good time <laughs> it was called pay it forward and it that movie's fucked and it has <laughs> it has haunted me and like that scene just felt like something that would have happened in that movie jesus christ that movie was like really devastating and like like my mom and I, and my sister and I will sometimes reference it as like remember that time you rented that movie. Haley Joel Osment was in that. Yes, that, they look alike, I think. Kevin Spacey, Helen Hunt. Yeah, Helen Hunt is like an alcoholic mother and like he's like going around and hiding all of her alcohol from her. And, like, she's got it up in, like, the light shades. Like, she'll put, like, bottles and, like, in the toilet and stuff. Mm -hmm. It was definitely, like, one of the... Like, I was, like, probably eight or nine when I saw this movie. Oh, and the, oh my God, he dies? Yeah, wow. Spoilers for Pay It Forward. It's devastating. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say who. Um, yeah, you know, I was... Yeah, the, like, bully kills him. Um, and that's, like... That's the message of the movie. That bully paid it forward. I, you know, you know, it's a different time. You can't just go on the internet and search it. So I'm not. I'm gonna, you know, I just find that very funny. You should ask my mom about it or Colleen <laughs> about it. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, because yeah, how are you gonna know? And honestly, like by like the poster of it, like you couldn't really tell. Like, that could this could go in any direction. But yet, that's like the most. It came out in 2000 as well. Yeah. So. But well, I was that's right. That just feels it, like a scene from that movie. Yeah, that feels like some '90s drama shit, like just super dark for no reason. And man, I feel like a lot of '90s movies kind of had that twist to it. This also felt like potentially a scene out of a pretty serious Seventh Heaven episode. Some of those episodes mm. got really heavy. I could see that too. That's yeah. that's like a that's a very special episode about gun safety. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Seventh Heaven did not mess around. <laughs> really high messaging. Wasn't the, is it the dad from Seventh Heaven that was? Yeah, he's Maybe a, he should have gotten a shot in episode, well, you know. <laughs> hey. I can't, I, we can't go down that road right now. Um, yeah, so I thought we were just beginning to be friends. Water is your kryptonite. Come on. <laughs> It's a really shitty yeah. weakness to have. Huh? Also, he's like, I have been sick before. I almost drowned. That's not the same thing. Almost drowning is not the same thing as having an illness. <laughs> like, that's what he's, that's his excuse is like, no, I am a superhero because, or I'm not, I'm not a, a superhero, superhero. I almost, because I almost, I almost drowned. drowned once. Like, yeah, man. You're still. <laughs> like, who hasn't? <laughs> all been there right i've almost who hasn't died at the bottom of a pool briefly they they brought him back uh yeah no not the same i nobody wanted to interrupt him in that moment and be like um babe maybe not <laughs> maybe not the same yeah when his kid, i just <laughs> the sun is so weird when they're lifting their weights together i guess bruce willis again so dumb doesn't see him putting weights on He's and like, then is like how much is it? He can't count himself. No, he can't. Or no, he does the counting. And then he says, take one off. And then, like, he's still sitting right where he was. The kid obviously puts more on. And he goes, 
wait, did you put more on? Like, you were here with him. You're in the same room. This is how little attention he pays to his son. That's why his son is like that. He will be in the same room as him, a foot away, and he will have no idea what's going on. I feel like at this point in the movie, I think I said out loud, what are we doing here? (laughs) I think so. I think you did. Like, this was what I was so confused about. And I was like, I'm still confused about the son. His role in the movie is is quite troubling. He's, you know, he is, the son is a protagonist in another movie. And that movie is about, like, a classmate of his who's terrified of David's son. (laughs) It's the kid who's like, my dad can beat up your dad. That's his movie. There's some other shit going on. He's maybe with the Shazam kids. I don't know. He's bullying the Shazam kids. (laughs) (laughs) Those kids were mean. Those were mean boys. Yes, they were. Um, the, the scene where David was like in the train station after he'd been encouraged by right. Mr. Glass to like try out his powers. Um, I thought that was really cool. And it kind of reminded me of like the scenes in Daredevil where he would like be hearing, like, especially Daredevil yeah. as a kid, hearing everybody in the city and like getting really overwhelmed. And he has to like, he's witnessing all of these crimes, which maybe have already happened or maybe are about to happen. Yeah. And he has to like pick the one that he's going to. Which is pretty brutal. Right. And he's like, he sees the one where someone like gets killed and he's like, I guess I'm going to go try to prevent this. And even then he's like too late. Yeah. I'm just like, shouldn't we be trying to act on some of these, more of these? I, you know, it's, it's very like, you know, he's, he can't like do all of it. He just, and he doesn't, he's not in his hero mode. You know, he's like, fuck, like, what am I supposed to do? I'm just going to pick this one guy. I did think that was a really cool scene. I liked the way it was shot. I liked all of the flashbacks. But by that point, I knew the movie was wrapping up. Mm-hmm. And then when we go to that house, I was very I was very confused about what was happening. Didn't like it. I didn't think that was necessary. I don't Just think the, we needed that. The brutality of it all. Yeah. yeah. Like the mom dead on the radiator like that. We didn't need that, yeah. actually, for this movie to work. <laughs> I didn't need that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty fucked. <laughs> it was but definitely also fun. like super I expect nothing less from Shyamalan like the sixth sense had some real real fucked up stuff in it and it was again like I feel like really nailing in like this normal guy who has powers but is still like we have like this one fight scene that he does and he's still like he's really just choking a guy out for like a minute and getting like bounced into the wall and it's like it's not super impressive to look at but it is like in that world, I guess, like, an active heroism. Like, if someone did that in real life, it would be like, oh, holy shit, like, right. that guy's crazy. Um, but, yeah, very, very dark. Very dark. But, you know, it, to me, it fit. Like, was it probably, was it needed? Like, no, I mean, they were really just, like, tripling down on it. But it fit with the tone of the movie. It's just super oppressive. I, did, I didn't feel like it fit with the tone of the movie. It, that came out of nowhere. Like, having, like, these like dead corpses in a house where they're all being like handcuffed. Like one, what was that guy's end game? But like, no, I didn't feel like it. That felt like it, it came out of nowhere compared to like where we were at with the rest of the movie. Yeah. Like they didn't even show any of the violence from the train crash. Yeah, that's fair. That's like up until that point, the most like horrific thing was when like Doc, Mr. Glass like falls down the stairs, which I did turn away because he like breaks all of his bones again. And I was like, I, this is horrifying. I can't watch this. Yeah, he was, he was pretty crunchy. After like that his one. stuff was probably the most gratuitous, like mm-hmm. all of his like breaks and things. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. I get that. 
Um, I mean, I thought the most horrifying part of it was him getting stuck in the pool in that in the pool cover. Like that was that gave me the heebie-jeebies. Uh, Did you think he was gonna die? No. Now but, that would have been in an interesting way to end the movie. He <laughs> died in the pool. Yeah. If it was just like, yeah, he was a hero, but like he just died. Mr. Glass is like, all that for yeah. nothing. Now I'm gonna start blowing up planes again. Golly day. <laughs> uh, Man loves a poncho. Gotta stay away from the water. Gotta stay away from the water. <laughs> There's nothing good for you there, bud. Um, yeah, and you know it takes until the very the very end for us to uncover like what the what the game plan was the whole time. And the gloves were a dead giveaway. What him being a supervillain? Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. As soon as we, I was like, oh, I think he's bad. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it before. But I was like, he's a bad dude. He's wearing gloves. Oh, yeah. And like, which I think he was wearing them earlier. He may have been. But, yeah, it's not, you know, he's he's in his lair. And there's there's nothing scarier than, like, a like a very meticulous supervillain. Like, he's, like, it's just, like, such a psychotic, like, a low-key psychotic thing to be, like, yeah, like, I just, I'm just doing what I was born to do. I'm just killing, like, a thousand people. Like, I was meant to find you, kind of. I did like the, I created my own nemesis. Yeah. I thought that was very fun. Yeah. I mean, not the way he did it, but, like, the the concept is fun. Yeah, he was like, we're we're destined to do this, which is, like, that's such a classic. You're also not. You, like, contrived this whole thing. Right. But I I love it. It's like every every comic book, like, arch nemesis has always been, like, we're meant to be. Like, we have, like, Joker and Batman, Green Goblin and Spider-Man. Like, it's, we're meant to be in this like deadlock forever like convenient you're both in philly mm-hmm. <laughs> god it's like yeah city of heroes you know what i mean <laughs> oh man um and then you you pointed out that how they decided to do the end with making it feel like it's a real movie or yeah like a real story well like yeah so the movie like we get like the m night twist like in the movie ends like a minute later but yeah, it walks off and it's like Mr. Glass is now uh, being kept. He's like in a insane asylum, insane asylum or, or something like that. And like David Dunn is like still doing his thing. And yeah, it presents it very much as like a based on a true story type movie, which is one just not a way that a lot of movies. And now I mean, we just watch like movies like Air, the 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 Michael Jordan movie, like that ended with that, like kind of like a little flashback. Like, yeah, again, those are real people. Um, and I was like, well, if it wasn't clear that this movie was trying to like ground itself before, it definitely is now. Um, I also thought, like, I liked the little moment where David like slides the newspaper over to, to his son. son, and it's yeah, it has like the illustration of him right with the with the poncho. With the poncho. And I'm like, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's restarting his relationship with his wife on a lie now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's some classic superhero shit, isn't it? Poor Robin. <laughs> he doesn't deserve this. I also just, like, we haven't really talked about, like, the acting performances, but, like, Samuel L. Jackson was great. I really loved him in this. It felt, like, a little different than, like, a normal, like, most performances that I've seen from him. I mean, it's pretty varied, but I liked the way he, he approached it. Yeah, I thought everyone was great. I get, I think Bruce Willis was good. Like, if he was intentionally trying to, like, seem like a bozo... You know, it's Bruce Willis. The son, I, again, I don't know if he's supposed to be, like, that unhinged seeming or if that's just how that kid looks. 
I don't know. It could be a bit of both. Oh, shit, he was in Mystic River? Oh, that makes sense. I think he's been in a lot of scary movies. He comes back for Glass. Well, maybe I'll have to watch Glass now just to see if he's as insane in his, in his 30s as he was when he was a kid. Like, I don't think he was meant to be as unhinged as, like, we took it. No. I'm willing to bet, like, it feels like M. Night Shyamalan just wanted to put Haley Joel Osment in there again. But he looked like, a lot like, like I can't do him two, two movies in a row. Everyone's going to think they're going to get confused. You can't have him and Bruce Willis in a movie after, right after The Sixth Sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I liked it more a- after, but there were a couple of things where I just couldn't get over it. Sure. Understood. And this was, uh, I'm just reading a bit more about the production reception. Um, Tarantino listed this as one of his top 20 movies after 1992, which is kind of a weird era. Don't know how they picked that, <laughs> but... 1992 to what? Uh, that article that he said that in was in 2009. So, unclear. Not sure why they picked that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe 1992 is like when he came onto the scene. Yeah. Or has he pro- been around longer than that? Um, no, potentially. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, Roger Ebert didn't like the ending, but he did like, he said, Bruce Willis's subtle acting was positively different from the actor's usual work in quote unquote brainless action movies. <laughs> I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's fair. I like his acting in Die Hard. Me too. I feel like he's great in Die Hard. I haven't seen him in a ton. He's great I, in Friends. He is great in Friends. I'm a neat guy. I'm a neat guy. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I. it feels like I didn't... This movie is like... It just feels like it's kind of under the radar. And that was the impression that I was getting too when I was just reading about it after we watched it. But it seems like it, it did pretty well at the time when it came out. But I think people were really expecting a lot from him after the sixth sense and this didn't sure. quite meet what they wanted. But then again, like he's been chasing that for his entire career. Yeah. So it's not his fault. It's tough to be a, like not a yeah. contrarian, but just like somebody that bucks the norm. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. But, I mean, this was, this was really like a kind of breath of fresh air. I mean, for, for like what we watched, like it's to me, it was like completely. I don't know if unlike, it's like fresh. Well, not fresh, but it's completely unlike it's anything very else that we've we've ever watched on here. And I thought it was cool. And if for some reason you listened to this and didn't watch it, go check it out. It makes me want to watch well, more. We've already spoiled it, so what's the point? I mean, I think I knew the uh, the whole bit about the Sixth Sense before I saw it. Still a good movie, but there's no getting away from it, you know. Okay. Okay, indeed. Well, yeah, maybe I'll watch the rest of the trilogy on Report my own. back. Yeah, and uh, give an update in a future episode. But it Split's way too scary looking. Yeah. I got scared in, by the trailer. It's probably going to be pretty spooky. I'll have to watch it with the lights on during the day. Lame. Gotta do what I gotta do. <laughs> As no I refuse here. to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> fucking loser. I'm just saying, if you're going to watch it, watch it for real. All right, fine. I'll watch it at three in the morning with all the lights out. Okay. Great. With headphones on. Sounds great. <laughs> well, all we right. hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, if you have any other suggestions for other, like, kind of offbeat 
maybe a bit more obscure movies for us to cover, let us know. I forgot when this was coming out, but I guess last week we had just watched The Flash, so we definitely have a couple um, bigger movies on the horizon this year, so stay tuned. All right. Until next time. We are Out Out of the the Superverse. Superverse.